I believe God is getting us in a place of readiness. He's getting us prepared. And um, preparation precedes progress. I, I actually don't think that's completely, entirely an accurate way to say it. I think preparation is part of progress. Preparation uh, is our statement of commitment to God and our trust that uh, he has certain plans for us. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Look at somebody next to you and say, there's a future and there's a hope. See, I fix my hope on the living God, and I, you know, this fends off cynicism. I, I certainly don't want to overstimulate into some sort of hype, but I believe that God saves the best for last, and I say that there have been great things through the history of God's word, but yet for us, he saves the best for up ahead. And um, the glory uh, of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So everything we read is a prologue to what's about to happen. The first coming of Jesus was absolutely fantastic. It brought help and hope for mankind. But I'm telling you, we're looking at what's called the blessed hope, the gathering up of the church, and then the second coming of Jesus, and the consummation of the age, and it's going to be glorious. And as I read the Bible, more glorious than anything we could anticipate, anything we've ever seen, and so it affords us a stimulation and an incentive and an encouragement and a motivation to be on point in our respective time because God wants us to be faithful. Uh, he's faithful to a thousand generations, so we might as well be faithful to him. Uh, it's great to have faith, and, and faithfulness is part of the fruit of the recreated human spirit. It doesn't originate in our flesh. Our flesh is... is is wayward, all we like sheep have gone astray, and our flesh is selfish. Yet, God gets a hold of us, and he changes us on the inside. We're born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And, and listen, since you and I are made in God's image, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 26 to 27, and since he rescues us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his dear son, according to Colossians 1.13, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And since we have been born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word, living and imperishable and abiding in us, and since you and I have received Jesus and therefore have become new creatures in Christ, where the old things have passed away and new things have come, then we might as well ready ourselves and prepare ourselves and strengthen ourselves and encourage ourselves in the Lord and be ready for increase and be ready for breakthrough and forget those things which lie behind and reach forward to those things which lie ahead. Can I hear an amen? So I want to go into God's word because I feel responsible to stir you up for readiness, for preparedness, just in case God might want to use you. I'll change it since God wants to use you. Remember Ephesians 2.10 says that for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Believe it? Accept it? Dare to be different with it? Dare to hunger and thirst and yearn for God's new incentives? For God's dynamic initiatives? 
God says, behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? He said, I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. I'll make rivers in the desert. We as Christians are required to walk in this way. This is not an option. And I'm not just overstimulating you with, with false hope. That would be a crime. What I'm instead doing is stirring you up by way of reminder and presenting to you the facts as the scripture records them that eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love them. In other words, heaven is so beyond description, very little of it is written about it in the Bible. D.L. Moody, the Billy Graham of the 1800s said, God, if God put too much information about heaven, uh, we would just stop and yearn for heaven and would not work. And if we saw too much detail about hell, we would not work. We'd be so busy trying to lead everybody to the Lord. So God had to bring us into balance because he wants us to live holistic lives. He wants us to learn how to worship. He wants us to work heartily unto the Lord. He wants us to learn how to rest, and he wants us to be good at playing. I watched an amazing documentary on a, a husband and wife design team from New York City. Jewish couple. They've been married a long time. She designed album covers of the 70s, and she does this amazing graphic work, and she's in uh, advancing years. She said, I get most of my ideas sitting in the back seat of a cab going through Manhattan. She lives out of town out in the outskirts. She says, I, I have to go into town because it stimulates my creativity. But she made a point. She says, I have to be at play in a position of being at play in order to get uh, creative. You can't be creative. I can't design anything unless I'm in a position of play. Everybody say work, work. worship, work. Rest, rest, play. Right. Listen, we need to lead a balanced life. So what I'm preaching here in this church is I don't want it to be lopsided. We're to worship him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength 24-7. We're to do our work heartily unto the Lord. But rest is not a luxury. It's a, a requirement. Don't confuse it. It's so we can get geared up, and we need to play. We need to learn how to play. Some of the greatest things God's spoken to me, he spoke to me on these little bitty vacations I barely take. But when I do take them, he's trying to make a point. He'll download direction for a whole year to me at the last minute of four days. One time, pa Pastor Patsy said, hey, let's pray before we go. I said, okay. I stepped in to pray. Boom, God downloaded the direction for the whole next year to me. I wrote it down, I've been writing it down on a receipt on the top of the island of the rental place. And then I'm sitting on the airplane thinking, it took all that time to rest just so I could get an idea. And I saw this design, this lady was sitting in the back of the, this cab and she was doodling. And it looked like scribbles like you and me. But I recognized her stuff on the grocery shelves, in our own medicine cabinet, on album covers that I, I've perused through, my, through the 70s, and she's, she's coming into even greater creativity. I saw another lady, a whole uh, um, uh, sort of a talk of three different designers, and they were all in advancing years. And there was this, this elegant lady from Los Angeles who was doing these amazing spatial light kind of shade kind of things that, that were installments in, in, uh, in museums all over the world. And uh, somebody said to her, don't you wish you were doing this in your 20s and 30s? And she said, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't have enough knowledge at the time. And I thought, wow, I get that. I get that. You know, uh, Catherine Coleman, the, uh, the lady that God demonstrated a lot of healing through in the, in the 1970s, 
I have a copy of her ordination paper in 1932. And one time she had a meeting where then people started to get healed and it was disruptive in the meeting. So she didn't originate it. She wasn't doing some showboat thing. She was preaching the gospel and the Lord did an outpouring and manifest himself. It was holy. It was not by human manufacture and she didn't even expect it actually. And so she went to the Lord and she was exhausted and she said, God, why didn't you give this to me when I was young and I could handle it? And she said, because, and God said to her, because that's exactly what you would have done. You would have handled it. And I thought about this art, these artists, that they're getting better as they get older. And I certainly believe that concerning you and me. Because the Bible says in Psalm 92 that when we are planted in the house of the Lord, we flourish like the palm tree in the garden of our God and that we bear better fruit the older we get. And I see Jim Armstrong here, his, his mother and his father, Virginia and Jim, they modeled that. They lived with roots in faithfulness in the local church. They were faithful. And I miss, I miss Jim. I miss Virginia. But I know where they are, and I get to see them again. I knew them when I was a teenager, and I got to live with them all through my adult life. And they left an amazing point to me. You get better the farther along you go in this. Did you hear this? Let's look here at 2 Chronicles Chapter 26, first five verses, and I want to just give you an Old Testament example of somebody that followed after God, and this is scenarios training. This is what to do when. This is getting ready, and this is, I want to encourage you to get ready for increase. Get ready to share the gospel with people. Get ready to, to pray. Get ready to resist the devil. I'm going to even teach you how to get ready to walk in love so the next time somebody says your mask isn't on right, you can just smile and pull it up and not have World War III break out. Second Chronicles chapter 26, and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him a king in the place of his father Amaziah. Did you know God wants to exalt people and use people of all ages? Jeremiah was a teenager when the Lord called him. David was a teenager when Jesse sent him with lunch to his brother Eliab on the battlefield. And he had an encounter with Goliath. It says he built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. That's the longest reign of a, of a king in Judah. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Well, you know, what did Micah answer? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord. Do the right thing, walk in love, and, and be humble, right? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Man, that's my aspiration for my family, for my household, for my personal life, for our church. And I believe to the degree that we cooperate with the Lord in those simple essentials, we will see monumental change. We will see the manifestation of the glory of God on biblical levels. We'll, make, we'll break records. We'll go through barriers that were previously seemingly impenetrable or impossible. Because with man, things are impossible. But no, not with God. With God, all things are possible. The eyes of the Lord are still running throughout the earth looking for men, women, and kids. Here's a kid 
whose hearts are toward God that he may strongly support them. Aren't you interested in your lifespan mattering? Aren't you interested in your prayers being answered? Aren't you interested in your words being pregnant and saturated with the word of God that you can share in, in a poised and, and sort of a contemporary paraphrase and end up sharing salt and grace and blessing everywhere you go? Somebody might have been depressed that you didn't know about their circumstances and just by you being kind, you may have been the one that made their day. Somebody might have been sick and you felt burdened to pray for them and and they got a breakthrough and they got healed. Don't you want to see people that are lost and confused come out of bondage and get set free? Somebody that's been thinking about suicide for three or four weeks and they just decide to get out of that and just get back on track and it's like, man, I just got out of that. Because somebody knew they were anointed to rebuke the devil and bind demons and loose the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Uzziah comes into this kingship and you don't hear anything about how he's so cocky about being such a hot shot. You hear that he's just got a... He's learned something from Amaziah, his dad, and Jechaliah, his mom, and he's paying attention to Zechariah, the prophet. And it says he continued to seek the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. Look at this. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Prosperity is an interesting idea. Prosperity and perspective means that you and I are endowed and equipped with everything we need for life and godliness. We have that which people need for every human endeavor. Seed for the sower and bread for food. We pray, we get results. That's prosperity. We speak God's word and mountains move. That's prosperity. We have abundance. We work. We know how to work with our hands and we know how God's economics and we trust God for those finances and God supplies and meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And and you let that inform you. Prosperity and perspective is such a wonderful thing. The Bible says, let them continually say, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his people. Man, this is a snapshot in history, but this is cool. This guy's dad died and he gets the crown and he comes into this leadership and he's had impact from Amaziah his father he did right in the sight of the Lord so he had a good example thankfully for that and then Jechaliah was so significant she gets mentioned in there as a as a mother which is 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 pretty rare so it means she really he was paying attention to both his mother and father he's honoring his mother and father and getting the benefit from both perspectives and he listened to Zechariah, who was a legitimate prophet of the time, who understood the times. So he comes in with all this. He didn't know that he was being prepared with pieces from his dad and pieces from his mom and pieces from this Hebrew prophet. And he gets in this moment, and he's brought into the kingdom. And because he's seeking the Lord, as long as he does, God prospers him. We don't have time to read the next parts, but man, he flourished. He built towers. He He delegated to creatives and artisans who knew how to build and do significant precedent-setting architecture. He had a a hobby interest in agriculture and gardens, and he had a fantastic garden and and, uh, oversaw elements of livestock. He got to, even his hobbies flourished and were blessed. Whatever, listen, the Bible says when you follow Jesus, whatever you do prospers. Young people, listen, you might as well pay attention to this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know why? Because then all these things will be added to you. When I was a youth leader and I I invited a guest speaker from Costa Rica, he spoke only Spanish, 
and he was about 20 years older than all of us. He got up and he said through the interpreter, he said, when I was young, I gave my life to Jesus as a youth, and I don't regret it. And then I gave all my teenage years to Jesus, and I don't regret it. Some things are lost in translation, but some things are, are, are strengthened by translation. Because I was listening to him in Spanish, and then I would look over at the interpreter, and I listened to this guy, and he was speaking with such passion. The interpreter was good, not only to, to translate the, the verbiage, but even with the passion of what he was trying to say. So it was like a double. I was getting it bilingual. It was awesome. And uh, it was like Wimbledon, you know. I was watching the guy volley, and he'd hit the ball, and the other guy hit it. It was, like, it was, it was great. And he, and he said, and I gave my 20s to the Lord. And I have no regrets. And I gave my 30s to the Lord, and I have no regrets. And I'm now in my 40s, and I'm giving my 40s to the Lord, and I have no regrets. And, I mean, I'm telling you, the youth exploded with the, the idea of it. It affirmed the value that was being belittled and put down by the peer pressure at the junior high and the high school. They're coming back in and hearing it from a different perspective, from an international person from another nation, and yet from the kingdom of God. We're hearing a story from antiquity of a Jewish leader from Judah who was in, in kingship for 52 years that as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. That's the caveat. That's a prerequisite. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. I got a text from my oldest son, Taylor. Isaiah 55 is awesome. And I thought, man, that's music to my ears. So I, I thought, what part of Isaiah 55 was he getting jazzed about? Hold your, hold, let, let's go to Isaiah 55 and let's look at this. Because I, I feel inspired to get you ready. And the way we can get ready is by seeking after the Lord, preparing. Uh, the whole thing is amazing. It starts out with hope. Anytime a chapter starts out with hope, with an exclamation point, you ought to pay attention. Everyone who is thirst, come and come to the waters. You who have no money, Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. See, there that is again. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. How many of you know God was good to David? Do you want some of that treatment yourself? Isaiah invites ancient Israel to it, and for that matter, you too, because Jesus is the son of David. He sits on the throne of David, which is fascinating that he affirms that David was a man after God's own heart who would do God's will through the course of his life. I'm telling you there's an anointing on what I'm preaching right now. And what I'm certain of is this. He knows the plans he has for you, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope, to prosper you, to bless you. Hallelujah. My little two-year-old grandson, he says, bless you when people sneeze. The, new, the NIV says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm a big believer in the consequences of obedience. Isaiah 119 says that you, if you and I are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. When Pastor Patsy and I were courting, we were praying in a, in a car as I was dropping her off at her house, 
And this came up in our hearts as we were praying. It was this prophetic kind of thing came. For you, prosperity are souls. The precious fruit of the earth in this end time hour are the multitudes and the potential for a harvest of the nations to come to Christ. Because the big deal of the big deal is not material gain or titles or any kind of thing of those levels. The big deal of the big deal is the fruit of the earth, the souls that Jesus spent all of his life dying for so that we could have a harvest. We pray the Lord of the harvest will thrust forth laborers into the harvest field for the harvest is plenteous, the Bible says, but the laborers are few. And yet my Bible also says that in the, God, God's people will volunteer freely in the day of his power and there therefore are seasons that are differing from other seasons. That's why in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says be ready in season and out of season. When you get a hold of this, it'll get you in a place where, you know what, I'm going to always keep a heads up in case God might want to use me. In case God might want to do something through me. In case God might want to speak through me. Pray about, have me pray about something and take somebody's burden off of them. Uh, yes, you. Yes, me. That's why Jeremiah said, I'm, a, I'm just a youth. I can't even speak. Moses said, I stammer, I stutter. You know, I heard President Biden uh, has to, had to overcome stuttering. So, you know, I, I knew a guy in the church who had to overcome stuttering. Moses had to overcome stuttering. So, so uh, you know, these guys that have these impediments, it's like, what do you do? We're overcomers. We fight through it. I like that when people fight through things. I like it when, I, when Uzziah fought through just teenage hormonal bizarreness and made himself available to the Holy Spirit. I like it when Jeremiah was in, insecure about his youth and God said, don't say you're just a youth because everywhere I send you, you will go. When I was a young person, I had to stand on the scripture. Don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness, but in your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. I don't have to do that verse anymore. I don't, I don't have to go, hey, please don't look down on my youthfulness. But I did for a lot of years. And it was speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. You know, similarly, God tells that to the elders. In Titus, he says, your speech, your conduct, and so forth. He basically says almost, he iterates almost the same pattern. Come on, guys. God's anointing is on both genders, all ages, all ethnicities, and, and, and all the world's getting all crazy trying to stir up a bunch of beehives. And all the while, God is saying, don't listen to all that garbage. Get your mind on the word of God. Get your heart ready to pray. Get your heart ready to fight the good fight of faith. Get yourself filled up with the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season because there are out of seasons. And so then you'll have to understand that there are in seasons. This was an in-season moment for Uzziah. He gets a coronation crown moment where he becomes a king in a moment. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And it spilled over into creativity. It spilled over into management. It spilled over into his work ethic. It spilled over into his leadership. It spilled over into his delegation. It spilled over into his style. So when I watch these people that are creatives like Carlos Santana, who's 10 years older than me, born in Tijuana. I was raised in San Diego, I suppose. When he was a, a teenager, I was a kid. We used to get our hair cut there for a quarter. And we who knows if Carlos was some teenager walking by while we were going to the barbershop as little kids. It's possible. And now he's making better music the older he gets. These artists that I, I watched, they're flourishing. The ministers that mattered in my life, Tom Duchel was talking to me about this. 
He said, man, bear in mind that the people that had significant impact on us really didn't get started till they were in advancing years. Caleb stood at the base of Mount Hebron where the giants were, where they had spied it out 40 years before, and he turned to Joshua, his friend and fellow compadre in the faith, and he said, give me this mountain. Maybe God will have me put a whooping on the giants. And I hear a group of people in Chesterfield Valley sitting in these gold chairs in a rainy day who just lost an hour of sleep last night, but you get an hour of sunshine this evening. <laughs> lifting up their hearts, lifting up their eyes, lifting up their faith, li looking unto Jesus, actually believing that what this preacher is on fire for and preaching about is actually true. And I, I'm convinced it's bearing down in your mindset and hopefully it's going to help stimulate you out of whatever unbelief, whatever apprehension, whatever excuses, whatever uh, complacency or apathy, and it's going to bust you into a new level of expectation. It's important that we reach forward to what lies ahead. It's important that we forget those things which lie behind. It's important that we forgive all if we have aught against any. Every offense, all this stuff, even if the people are dead. You can't dig them up and have therapy with them. They're dead. So at some point, we need to get over it. At some point, we need to lay aside the weights, the encumbrances, and the sin that so easily besets us. Why? In order that we may run with endurance that particular race marked out for us. You were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. You were born again after the, of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Jesus being the firstborn of many brethren. He's the prototype example and the pattern setter. He comes in and rises from the dead and defies evil, and then he bestows a new birth in us. He takes away the stony heart, gives us a real heart of faith. He takes away the darkness and the doubt, and he gives us the spirit of faith. He takes away apathy and naivety and complacency and aimlessness and futility, and he imparts purpose in our lives. Better than rock and roll guitar, better than design and art, better than anything we've even imagined, better than anything we've even imagined, that we get invited into fellowship with God, and then we get invited to invite other people into fellowship with God. Essentially, our lives break down into two big targets, to know him and to make him known. Paul said, oh, that I might know him the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Why? In order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already been made perfect. Not that I've already obtained it all. I'm not that big a deal. I'm on a learning curve. I'm growing. How many of you have a growth potential? How many of you are happy with that? Please. How many of you will buy into the idea that the best is yet to come? I was talking to Bob Tarpon's grandson. Bob and Shirley were beautiful in my life from the time I was a teenager. They traveled with us to Israel in 1998, and I visited Shirley when she was dying in the hospital, and I got to be with, with Bob the day before he died. I got to basically say goodbye to him. It was a very special gift to me, really. It was for me. He, he's getting ready to go to heaven, and I got to be with him and look at his beautiful face one more time. He used to bring his little toy dog out there and have it poop out in the bushes, and I thought, I don't care, man. I don't care. I could talk about it now. He's not cringing. He doesn't care. I didn't care either. I thought, man, I'm just glad you're in church. Just get your doggy bag with that, okay, and pick that up. Get the poo-poo bag, not the doggy bag. Yeah, you don't want to mix those up. <laughs> What's this in the refrigerator? <laughs> don't do that. 
Please don't let that be the only thing you remembered in my message. You don't want to mix up the doggy bags. But his son told me that what he came out, he said, his grandson told me what his dad, his grandpa came out of. His testimony wasn't really so much what he came out of, but what he came into. He and Shirley were dynamic Christians, full of love. He was very fatherly. I miss him. Church was great with them here. And I, I feel um, like what the Bible says, how costly are the death of God's saints. How precious. Come on, man. Precious. Joyce and, and Rich Mall. You know, we've got Phil and Kelsey up here on the front row. Joyce and Rich are present with the Lord. I knew them for so many years. They sat right over there. You can set your watch to their consistency. And uh, with Tarpon, he, you know, his grandson, Greg, said, I know why my grandpa followed. He told me why he followed me. He said, you're a committed leader. You know, you're, you, you know you, it must have cost you something to do what you're doing. It's radical, and I, I, I never really thought about it. And, and I thought, Bob gave, and he started to describe what his dad, his grandpa was involved with. And I was like, I, I kind of heard about that, but I didn't really know it. I just remember him with his toy dog pooping out in the, in the side thing and how sweet he was in church. But his, it took something for him to come out of that darkness. It took something for Uzziah to make a commitment to, you know, I'm not going to just get on a head trip about my exaltation. I'm not going to lean on my own power. I'm, my dad, Amaziah, modeled the right way to live. I'm going to lean on God. I, it's important. My mom, Jechaliah, my dad, Amaziah, and this prophet, uh, Zechariah, they, they're an example of uh, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And this is what Taylor was saying out of Isaiah 55. You thought I was away from that, but here it is. It says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. If you're wayward, backslidden, you've gotten callous, today's your day for a return. If you're not saved, today's your day of salvation. If you've been murmuring and you've been upset and frustrated and you haven't repented, today's your day for repentance where you confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of partial, your, some of your unrighteousness. All of your unrighteousness. Aren't you glad it's all? Who in here is grateful that God is good? That's not a glib comment. That's not like some little cheesy little platitude. Uh, it's not some little bumper sticker we slap on our rusty bumper. It's the truth. God is good. His loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. And he's obligated himself toward us. And that's what I think about Bob and Shirley Tarpon. That's what I think about Virginia and Jim Armstrong. And some of my elegant brothers and sisters who've gone on before me. That's what I think about, about the, the malls. That's what I think about uh, the, the people that have passed through. I'm not a sentimentalist. I know I'll get to see all of them again. My, my family knows I process grief in a certain way that really grieves them. I talk a lot about it. I think about people and I, they flash up in my mind and I talk, I cry about it. I think about them, I love them. It's painful to me, but not morbidly so. I get attached. You know, I, that's why I didn't like the isolation, particularly of, of, of not being able to have church last Easter because I just love that we get to all be together. I guess the thing I love about heaven is that we could all be together. 
Marilyn Hickey told us she wanted to have her mansion next to ours in heaven. I mean, that's a great thing to say to somebody. <laughs> Marilyn, hey, what's up? Let's have some coffee. Don't you think coffee would be better in heaven? Somebody's going, there's no coffee in heaven. That's not scriptural. <laughs> there is on our street because Patsy will be there. Juan Valdez will be on the other side of my house. <laughs> let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So let him return to the Lord. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him. See, a lot of people don't come back to the Lord because they think they're going to get condemned and they're going to have to change so much in their own power. And it's like, no, just come to me. I'll take care of you. I love you. I'll accept you just as you are. But I love you so much I won't leave you the same way. I'll change you from the inside. For as the heavens are higher than the, than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down between the second and the third service on Sunday, March 14th, 2021, and do not return without watering the earth and making it barren sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I'm going to close, but I talked to Paul Clark, the musician who was here seven years ago at Easter. I've invited him to come back. We're going to have a sunrise service out in the front, and uh, he's going to do a, a MTV Unplugged a worship set. We've got our band who's really working hard, has some special music that's going to be ma magnificent. So we can have just an amazing day where we're going to have an outdoor service out there instead of out there. We're not doing the uh, egg hunt because I just couldn't figure out how to do it with the COVID-19 restrictions and all the variables. So, But yet we, we're going to have some surprises, let me put it that way. We're going to have some major fun in the house for Easter. I'm not, that's all I'm going to tell you. It's going to be cool on a lot of levels. But he, he remembered the Good Friday tornado. And uh, he remembers that we had that service. And Tim Decker, who is working with us in securities at Chesterfield Cop, he said, he walked up to me and he was watching on his cell phone on, on AccuWeather. And he, he saw the, radi the radar report. And it said, it's in Darting Prairie. It's coming this way. So I had to stand here. And we don't have a basement. We don't have a basement here. We don't have a, a storm cellar here. So it's like... So I said, and I couldn't create panic because we had a close to 1,000 people at church that, that, that night. And I had been driving to church, and I had watched The Wizard of Oz. So I knew what the sky would look like, right? And I knew that this actually was Kansas at that point, and Kansas came over here. And it was, what color was the sky? Green. That's not good when the sky's green. It's good when the grass is green. It's not good when the sky's green. But I didn't learn in Bible school under some wonderful, competent teachers. I didn't have Amaziah or Jechaliah in my case, but Zechariah, I had some Zacharias, and they helped me out to bind and loose, and that God's word doesn't return empty without accomplishing what it's sent to do. And I knew to speak to that storm, because I read in the Bible that Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea. He rebuked the wind and the sea. And then it said, what manner of man is this that the wind and the sea obey him? So in this church, we ought to understand that manner of man, Jesus, the prototype, firstborn of many brethren, bestowed delegated authority, and he said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, so we need to speak to our mountains. And in that case, I spoke to the storm, and I told everybody, come in, let's get real close, let's use our chairs, let's get down and kneel and use them as a little altar, 
I said, that's the best I knew to do. And I wanted to get them away from the windows for the glass, so the glass, in case the glass broke. And by the grace of God, there's a, there's a physical example of where the cell split, and God mercifully delivered us. And we were delivered on that, on that on, and it's on a video. I should take it and show you. It was, yeah, you, you would, if you were there, you'd be like, <laughs> you know, on your knees going, Lord God, you know, and God covered us. Unfortunately, it sat down and it tapped down in Bridgeton. Thankfully, no one was killed, ripped up a bunch of property, but God anointed us. Our equipment was protected. We were able to take all of the gear and all of our volunteer leadership and go up there and we mobilized about 5,000 people. The Amish called us and said, hey man, what can we do? And they came in and we gave them chainsaws and stuff like that. We got it going. And uh, I mean, they're like lumberjacks, you know. They've got this whole works thing, so it really comes in handy during a disaster. And uh, it's awesome. They're just amazing people, man. They're hard to keep up with as hard as they work. They're beautiful to be with. Paul Clark is one of the pioneers of the Jesus Movement music. He, he, was, he was one of the leaders. He hung out with a man named Dave, uh, Derek Prince for many years. He's one of my dear friends. I've known him for, for probably 40 years. And um, he's available for us this weekend, and I'm really happy he's going to... He, he was one of the pioneers of contemporary Christian music. Really good stuff. Before it became uh, marketed and got all watered down, he was one of the pioneers. It was ra radical what he was doing. And uh, so he is a really gifted singer. Let's all stand up on our feet. Everybody say, get ready. Get ready. I want you to be ready to connect with God and keep close fellowship with the Lord. Don't let anything get between you and your walk with the Lord. I guard my relationship with my wife. And um, when we talk about marriage and Ephesians 5, it's talking in reference to Christ and the church. It's a parallel. So I use this as a parallel. The Bible says concerning our relationships, don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. So I, everybody say quick resolve. quick resolve. Say thorough resolve. resolve. Any time anything gets between you and the Lord, repent of it, rebuke it, deal with it. If unforgiveness comes in, then remove it and replace it with forgiveness. If anybody's hurt you, bless them. I want to give you some scenarios training. Get ready to walk in love. I talked to my son-in-law, Steve, and he said he had a situation where he was ready and he was able to bridle his tongue and he was able to work things out. I said, man, that is awesome. But how about when you get worked up and you, you anticipate something and you go, when I talk to them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. He goes, every time I've done that, it's been disaster. I said, I hate to admit it, but me too. And uh, so let's prepare for victory rather than for failure. Like you got a situation with a teammate or, or a coach or something. It's like, this is kind of uncomfortable. So I'm going to prepare my heart. And I confess I have favor with them. I, I believe, God, that, you, that I come against the enemy that would try to create agitation. And God, I lift them up to you. They bug me so much, I, I'm going to pray for them. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. God, I lift them up. There may be something on the, the reason for this. I heard somebody, a disc jockey on satellite radio, give a credit to his mom when he got offended. He said, my mom taught me, and this has helped me so much. He said, whenever you're offended by somebody, attribute it to ignorance rather than to spite. Attribute it to ignorance rather than to spite. Not ignorance like you ignorant, you idiot, but because then, then, then there you go, right? 
You're thinking, oh, I can do that. Praise the Lord. That's not what she meant. Ignorance means I just was oblivious. Like a lot of times I've offended my wife. I didn't mean it. The times I have, I've admitted it to her. So I tell her when she goes, that was really offensive. I didn't mean it that time. She goes, oh, yeah, you did. I said, no, I tell you when I, do, I know what I'm, what I'm doing when I'm being a jerk. I was not intentionally being a jerk right now. Right? And maybe you don't know the circumstances behind the deal. And what I think this DJ's mom was saying, and it was helpful to me, I got a great sermon off of listening to oldies radio and hearing the DJ as an aside, referencing something his mama said. We just got something great out of what Jackaliah said to Uzziah, and we didn't even know who those guys were. We can't even pronounce it. But he learned, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Next time you're in the store and somebody, your, your mask is down by three millimeters and one of your nostrils is showing and some 61-year-old lady that's off her medication comes up to you and says, you need to put your mask on. You want me to call the manager? And you're getting tempted to get in turbo flesh. You're being equipped right now to just go and keep walking. Next time somebody trespasses and you see it, just like smile. Pray in tongues, hallelujah, and walk in love. Try, try to deflect with humor. <laughs> and your flesh goes, oh, you go up halfway away from it. Oh, you should have said this. You should have. You know, anytime you're driving away, oh, I should have. Oh, I should have said that. You know what? Thank God you didn't. God delivered you from a dissertation that you would have regretted for 14 days. Attribute it to ignorance rather than despite. And, and that'll help you to not ever judge people's motives. Because guess what? We don't have the ability to ever understand anybody's motives, even including our own. We can give ourselves to the Lord and trust him to cleanse us and help us to have good motives. We don't even know our own heart except that, God, we submit to you and, and we trust you and we stay in the contours of your script, of your word. We want to walk in love. It's patient, kind, it's constructive. It's looking for a way not to harbor resentment and so forth. And we meditate on that. We ponder that. Can I hear an amen? Say, I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to fight the good fight of faith. I'm ready not to yield to temptation. I'm ready to take the way of escape. I'm ready for every conversation. I'm ready to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to hear the next steps of my obedience. I'm ready for fresh initiatives. I'm learning to identify and embrace God's ideas. I'm hungry for God's pertinent projects. That was hard for you, wasn't it? I tried to give you a tongue twister. Lift up your hands and say, here am I, Lord. Send me, use me, speak to me, forgive me, heal me, save me, direct me, polish me off, dust me off, fill me with hope, get me back on track, set me on course, open a door, Surround me with favor. Manifest yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy your day. Hallelujah.